Across the Strings podcast, Kip's here. A uh, little dishing on the drive segment today. I've been thinking lately about the ways we generalize groups of people into they-dom. Uh, I'll give you some examples. They don't want you to win. They set it up that way. They don't get it. What the hell are they doing? You know, how often do we, when using the generic they to describe the ops, actually know who, quote, they, unquote, are? They want this. They want that. They won't do this. They are stopping me. I've just been hearing that. I mean, a lot lately, but I think about my whole life. I think the generalization of they has come into play a lot. Um, and, and I'm not speaking through a, like a Microsoft Word grammar correction microphone here. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, you should use the correct connotation of they, they. I, I'm talking about, I want to know why we and me, I know I've done this too, feel the need to assign so much of the blame for the angst and strife in our existence to this generalized they, them that rarely, if ever, gets truly defined. Um, example, when you're at work and a project is presented in its early stages, have you used or had colleagues used, oh, they won't fund that, or, or maybe in a more problem-solving approach, what will they, they need to hear to get this approved? What do you think they'll think? Um, have you been watching the news and seen something you find troubling and said, man, that's exactly how they want it to be. That's why it is the way it is. They planned it. It's, or have you said, this would all be better if they would just do something. I mean, they got to fix it. They got to take some action. Uh, in athletics, which is where I exist, right? Either in, my, in your career or someone you care about, if you said, they don't believe in me or they want you to quit, don't give them the satisfaction. I'm obviously picking and choosing some usuals, right, that I, that I hear or have used or, or been exposed to. And I'm sure I'm missing many more examples um, of this notorious group of folks called they, who are at the root of all evil we experience in the world, all of us. Is this heavy reliance on theying the obstacles in front of us? Is it born out of convenience or ignorance or just flat out denial? And when I was brainstorming this topic over the course of the last couple of days, and I was typing some notes here, here and there, talking to people about, you know, I, I ran this by Kelly, my wife, and she was like, hey, you're getting real meta on me. And I was like, no, the words matter, right? And I think words matter in good, bad, and in other ways that can lead you to finding solutions or lead, keep you from finding solutions if your words are wrong. Um, so let me, let me go back through these three hypotheses I have. Um, we they obstacles and we they others in a generic form out of convenience? Do we simply say they because it's easier to galvanize our efforts, our focus, our us against they, them? In all of human history, right? Stories have included heroes and villains, victims and saviors. So is this reliance on all of us saying they when talking about the enemy a way to make our existence easier to navigate? They are bad. So then we are good. Carry on. That's my, that was my first thought. Like, is it, is it about convenience and ease in identifying us versus them? Then I talk about ignorance. The, sec, the second reason maybe we, they, obstacles and opposition. Um, do we grow frustrated at our shortcomings in all arenas, whether personally, in your family, in your career, uh, and we're unable to truly diagnose 
what is impeding our dreams. If we don't assign the blame to what they, once again, podcast, but I'm using air quotes. If we don't assign the blame to what they are doing to us, we might go crazy sitting with our thoughts wondering why we can't solve the puzzle. So maybe it's born out of ignorance and protection of ourself. Finally, maybe it's just flat out denial. What if it's number three, a denial of reality. We they opposition and obstacles uh, because it allows us a learned helplessness that makes it palatable to choose an action and just sit. What if we say they, because we don't want to do the hard work of educating ourselves to the reality of the problem facing us, to self-reflecting on where, why, what, how, and by shrugging off issues as the result of they did it, we can go about our day and choose ignorance. Maybe it's denial. Maybe it's that one, number three. So I had these hypotheses, and I was like, yeah, you know what? You go in the pod, and you spout off a lot of theories, but there's, there's professionals that do work on these things that you think of, Kip, for 20 minutes a day. So I got into a, a Google rabbit hole on the subject of they and found a ton of articles and research by people smarter than me that really put they into the science and study of blame. Uh, one article by Dr. Susan Krauss Whitborn for Psychology Today. And I'm trying to be better at quoting people and giving uh, flowers to folks for the work they've done. Uh, Dr. Krauss Whitborn laid out five reasons humans play the blame game in general. You know, it's a defense mechanism. It's conflict resolution. We suck at figuring out true causes in general. Uh, we throwing it at the feet of they is easier than looking in the mirror. And finally, people lie. <laughs> I think we all know that. Uh, so Krauss Whitborn's work for Psychology Today in, in the science of blame, you know, kind of supported some of my thoughts. That we use it to protect ourselves, we they things, to protect ourselves from actually reflection and maybe finding out us is the cause. Um, it's easier to resolve when it's us versus them. And sometimes we just lie. Okay, Marilyn Paul, in a piece for systemsthinker.com dove deep into the cost of attributing blame today. If we fail to learn when we blame, then because we, if we fail to learn when we blame they, because it allows us to shut down any of our own growth needs and say, fuck it, they did it. I don't have any reason to inquire further. So Marilyn Paul's arguing, once again, in systems, systemsthinker.com, that it really, there's an opportunity cost of theying opposition and obstacles is the actual discovery process of new information if we don't lay it at the feet of they. If we lay it all at the feet of they, we get a fake solution to a problem. This often accompanies some immediate relief in a sense of having solved it. You know, it's their fault, everything's good. Uh, but in actually, that really puts off reality. I think I, I, I like that thought process from her, and I, I agree. Lastly, Sherry Jacobson for the Harley Therapy Counseling Blog highlights that by shifting blame to they, we don't have to be individually vulnerable, which you know in my work for teams of men and helping men develop a healthier manhood, men are terrible at vulnerability anyway. So theying opposition makes a lot of sense if you don't want to be vulnerable. It allows us to maintain, maintain control of a story and protect our own ego, which men, women, everyone in between, we all love and protect our own ego. So, you know, that's kind of some some themes and takes from some other smarter folks, some scientists, some scientific research into theying and blaming. 
you know, and sidebar, I'm not advocating, by the way, that everything bad that happens is always our own fault. You know, that's a dangerous line to cross to self-hatred and false modesty if everything is my fault. You know, there's some hubris involved there, too, that suddenly you're the Green Lantern Superman of your story and you control everything. We all know that's not true. There are plenty of things someone or some folks do fail at that are worthy of blame. I think what I, I'm arguing in this edition on the drive across the streams I'm arguing that the process we use to assign blame is just as important as the final landing place. In other words, if I'm seeking to lay something on they, I'm most likely using a system that's too convenient, too narrow in scope, and too focused on finding quick resolution. Hell, I would, I would argue that saying they stopped us from getting gun control, for example, is a quick, quicker path to more failure in getting gun control. It's like a baby pacifier. I can put it in my mouth quickly and self-soothe because it's their fault. But not being able to prescribe immediately the specific who in the specific place they're stopping us, legislation, funding, voter support, whatever it may be, doesn't allow us to get prescribe any action remedies to anything that I want solved. If it's on them, I'm absolved from needing to do anything further with specificity. And then I get to just get sit back, play my Xbox, and go on about my ignorance. In the end, I believe I'm arguing today for knowing and naming they more exactly. It might be Karen's fault. It might be my fault. It could very well be a law, a compliance bullet point on page seven, or a basketball team, uh, or a basketball that wasn't inflated correctly, and that's why I dribbled it out of bounds. All those conclusions are more actionable and solvable than pointing the finger at an imaginary they. So in, in signing off, here's don't they or them it. Deep dive it and then solve it. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests. <laughs> <laughs>